Welcome to the Blue Revised Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Shusky. The Blue Revised Podcast talks to film industry professionals about working in the industry, as well as hosts in-depth discussions about the different paths taken to get to where they are today. Blue Revised also offers resume, cover letter, and interview advice specific to the film and television industry. Today, I'm talking to Josh Dennering, a Hollywood local 80 grip with over 25 years experience in the film and television industry. His resume consists of a mix of well-known television and feature films such as Training Day, True Detective Season 1, Terminator 3, Grey's Anatomy, The Italian Job, Deuce Bigelow, and one of my favorites, Little Miss Sunshine. This is just a small list of what he's worked on. I'll put his IMDb link in the podcast description so you can check it out for yourselves. Josh, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. No, you're welcome. Over the last decade, you've been working mainly as a key rigging grip. What exactly is a key rigging grip? As the head of the rigging grip department, key riggers work hand in hand with the rigging gaffer, the first unit gaffer and key grip, and the director of photography uh, to facilitate and prepare the necessary lighting and equipment needs for any particular set, stage, or shooting location ahead of uh, when the uh, shooting company arrives. Anything as small as unloading the first unit's grip trailer before company crew call to uh, weeks-long or even months-long rigs to prepare lighting or complex set construction on entire sound stages. Uh, We not only support the grip and electric crews for first team, but uh, also hang backings and fly scenery and hang signage for the art department and uh, take down, store, and reassemble sets and set pieces for construction once they've been built. Uh, More or less anything and everything under our contractual jurisdiction to make sure that the set is film ready when the company shows up for the day. That way they can stick to their time estimates for their daily shooting schedules. So it's the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. Yeah, more or less, uh, you know, it behooves the company to have these rigging teams so that when they show up, they're not using their first unit crews to do prep stuff that is costing them time with the actors on the day when they have all the extras there and cameras and everybody else is sitting around waiting for stuff to get done. We take care of all that so that when they hit the ground, they can hit the ground running. Right. How did you get started in the industry? Well, the film industry happens to be a long-standing family tradition for me. Uh, Going back to my great-grandfather, who was a grip at both Paramount and Warner Brothers, um, and my father, who happens to be one of the most renowned and respected scenic artists and backdrop creators in the industry. Uh, At the time I started in the mid-90s, nepotism or luck were pretty much the only (laughs) way that most people ended up in the union, at least. Um, Either you worked for years in the non-union sector, which was often plagued with like dangerous working conditions and unsavory producers that sometimes would not pay you, um, Mm. you know, until you get lucky enough to be on a show that flipped union while you were working on it, you know, after you got hired, uh, or you had family that can pull some strings to speed up the process. Although, uh, I broke in through a family connection, I quickly branched out on my own, uh, working with crews I didn't know, learning all aspects of my craft and 
making my own contacts so I wouldn't have to rely on the people that got me in to find work. So what was it that made you interested in working in the film and television industry? Uh, Growing up in Los Angeles uh, and with film work in my blood, it seemed like a logical choice, but uh, it wasn't really my first passion. Uh, I built and raced cars as well as attending welding school for a while before I even thought about joining the industry. Uh, Also, I was in college as a biochemistry major uh, and had aspirations of being a scientist. Um, As with a lot of best laid plans, though, life chose a different path. And uh, I became a father unexpectedly at an early age. And, uh, you know, with a new family to care for, school was no longer an option. And after struggling for a couple of years, I looked to my family business of film for an opportunity for a better future for my family. You mentioned an interest in science and learning how to weld. Were there jobs or experiences outside of the industry that helped better prepare you for the job? Really, uh, my father teaching me about cars and engines and how to use power tools and stuff like that at an early age uh, helped a lot, Um, as well as that short stint uh, in trade school taking welding classes that really gave me an edge when I started with the grip department. Um, Being mechanically inclined and having basic engineering knowledge from the get-go made me an asset, really, to any crew that I worked with and made up for lack of experience in, in the beginning in a lot of ways. How do you go about finding work? Well, in my personal experience, at least, uh, finding work has always been about cultivating personal relationships uh, as much as it is about your actual skill in your job. Um, Pretty much all you have as a freelancer is your relationships and your reputation. Uh, After my first film in the industry, I constantly checked in with the people I worked alongside of uh, until they had a spot open on another crew that they were on and were able to recommend me to jump in. You know, then it was up to me to show these new contacts that I was a hard worker and a worthy hire. Um, In turn, it would open up a whole new group of people that I could contact for a job when I was in between gigs. Eventually, this network just kept branching out and till like I had hundreds of contacts and mm. after a few years my reputation preceded me and you know before I knew it people just cold called me for work nice um, yeah I mean I, I feel that the biggest factors to securing steady work in the film industry are strong work ethic and good communication skills and generally being a person that other people enjoy and want to be around for <laughs> 70 plus hours a week <laughs> You know, it's it's a big factor. You become like a family. You see these people more than you see your children. You know, the, you see work more than you see your home. Very true. You know, and uh, you can be the best at what you do, but an insufferable personality will <laughs> definitely assure that finding constant work is pretty impossible. Oh, my goodness. Do you still keep in contact with the crew from your first job? Uh, you know, most of the guys are retired now and have been for a little bit. You know, I was real young when I got in the business. I mean, it's been over 25 years now. They're, they finally found their way out to greener pastures, but there, there's a couple, you know, um, that are still active and what they're doing. And I was able to come up with them, you know, through the years and we still talk and we're still friends. That's awesome. What moment 
in the past 25 years that you've been doing this um, has really stood out to you? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I know, it's yeah. a big ask. <laughs> uh, through my career, I've seen and done so many incredible and unbelievable things. Uh, you know, it'd really be difficult to pick just one standout mm. moment, but... I mean, from explosions that destroy an entire homes to uh, flipping dozens of cars just for one single shot or, uh, you know, to rigging remote control cameras to motorcycles that are free driving through like coordinated crash scenes at high speeds. And uh, from times I operate a 30 foot camera crane that was placed on the platform at the end of another 30 foot camera what? crane. On a moving truck. Uh, of course. Uh, of course. You know, and witnessing a construction crane fall over and slam into an occupied <laughs> apartment building at work. That's an interesting one. Or a uh, stunt gone wrong that uh, knocked down a power pole with four live transformers on it and the whole crew had to run for their lives. Oh. Uh, rigging cameras at the end of... Uh, tower crane that was 200 feet off the ground or rigging cable cams through the jungle and i've i've seen a lot and and done a lot and uh, pretty amazing things wow one thing that that really stands out that i i will never forget um was when we were doing uh, the Italian Job remake mm. uh, in downtown LA. Uh, the scene where the helicopter is chasing the little mini. We're standing underneath Lower Grand, and this helicopter comes in at speed, buzzing right over us, uh, within a foot of the ground, a foot of the concrete pillars on either side, and is like dancing around, chasing a car. Uh, you know, well, we're just all standing there in awe, knowing that one mistake can literally just wipe out the entire crew. And we shot that probably 30 times. That was a real helicopter? Yeah, it was a real helicopter that came in from, you know, 100 feet in the air at speed down to one foot off the ground. And oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, it's always, it's always excitement. (laughs) (laughs) This, this sounds like zero excitement. Yeah. But really the, you know, the skill and the talent of the various crews I've worked with over my career never ceases to amaze me. And, you know, without, uh, these people and their amazing abilities, none of it would be possible. Okay. I feel the need to address this because you are a grip. There are a lot of jokes about grips being these barbarians with tools, but honestly, they're the hardest working people on the crew. How do you feel about the social stigma around grips? Well, although there's definitely a few grips I've run into over the years that uh, help sustain that stereotype, (laughs) uh... I feel that for the most part, uh, we're generally accepted as the one department to go to on any film set when a problem needs to be solved, oh. you know, big or small from, from any other department. It's always, you know, ask the grips because we just fix things. That's just what we do. You know, when I started, it was the days of the rivalries, you know, between grip and electric and grip and special effects had when grip and the camera guys. And it was always, you know, the jokes and the teasing and the, yeah, but 
I think it was all more of a situation similar like when like a third grade boy, you know, thinks a girl's cute, but calls her names and pulls her hair instead of telling her that. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they all know that they need us, you know, to help them, but they just they just don't know how to acknowledge the fact without mm. deflating their own egos. And uh, <laughs> boy, are there some big egos in play on those film sets. Um, I do feel like the newer generations seem to play those games less, though. Mm. Yeah, and the air of mutual respect among the departments has now become you know, the, the norm instead of the rivalries, which is nice. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe after a hundred years of film, they finally ran out of new material. <laughs> <laughs> is it interesting to witness the new class of grips coming into the industry? Uh, it, it's definitely a lot different uh, for them now uh than when i came in you know as as a department head myself i can't necessarily do the same things that my predecessors did to teach me mm. uh because it was a little harsh you yeah. know it wasn't uh encouragement and you know gentle book learning you know like it seems to be now it was yelling and demeaning and pretty much beating you down until you you know just conformed to yeah you you had to I mean it was if you didn't have that kind of like thick skin uh you could get hurt you know, we do a lot of crazy, dangerous things. And, you know, if you mess up something, you could kill somebody, mm-hmm. you know. And so those old guys, they they might have been a little harsh, but they knew the realities of that. And that was their way of bringing that to us youngins, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you scare them into knowing what can happen? I experienced that harshness too when I first started I had an assistant director tell me it's okay if I break you down as long as I build you back up again which I didn't understand that until much later in my career was it to my benefit I don't know but I sure learned a lot yeah Josh, based on all of your experience over 25 years, what advice do you have for those looking to break into the industry? Well, first off, uh, be prepared to give your whole life to your job to be successful. Uh, If you approach it as like a means to an end or just a way to pay your bills, you're never going to reach your full potential within your chosen department, no matter what it is. Um, if never knowing what time you'll be done for the day or where the next location may take you or never being able to properly plan time off to take vacations or even go to doctor's appointments or anything doesn't appeal to you, then you might as well just walk away right now. Um, it, it is as much a lifestyle as it is a career and you gotta be all in or there's no room for you. You know, it makes and breaks families and friendships, too. Your workmates become your surrogate family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the even on the best of shows, the hours are abusive. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of an all or nothing thing. But it, it, it can be the best thing that ever happened to you, too, you know. Or 
as much as it could be something you grow to despise for the things that it took away from you. You know, it, you, you don't see it until, you know, 20 years in mm-hmm. and you look back at it because it's such a wild, fast ride. Yeah. Um, you know, be ready to go in a hundred percent if you want to have any chance at longevity for sure. And uh, no matter what anyone tells you, the only real way to like properly learn your craft, whatever it is, is to be on set learning from the ones that came before you. Uh, You can go to film school, spend all the money you want. You can read as many books as you want and think that you're prepared and show up on that first day and it's a deer in the headlights and you have no (laughs) clue what's going on. And, and it can be super scary and intimidating no matter how prepared you are. Oh, so yeah. the best thing, in my opinion, is to just show up and just jump in, you know, be ready to get yelled at and <laughs> just smile and take it. Yep. Shut your mouth and, yep. and, you know, open your ears. Yep. You know, another really key thing is don't just learn your job. Uh, learn what everybody else's job is too. That's just as important to make you good at what you do. You know, once you understand the structure of the film set and the way that everybody works together and the way that the work is delegated to the different departments, uh, that really will help you in the long run. And especially when, if you decide to become a department head yourself, you know, down the road, once you have the experience and the know-how and you want to step up and you want to do different things, you know, in gripping, say like we have, you start at the bottom, it's just, you know, extra hammer grip and you can also be a dolly grip and you guys that control camera movement and get to play with all the camera cranes and, you know, cool things and work together with the camera department or, be uh, a second which is you know the guy that's in charge of manpower and equipment and you know hiring and all the paperwork and taking care of everything uh or you know the key who's you know that department head either on production or a rigging key like myself you Mm -hmm. know uh which is a whole different set of responsibilities and dealing with the producers and with all the other department heads and planning and logistics and all these things that nobody else sees you know there's there's so many other aspects but knowing what everybody's job is is really key at that point Mm -hmm. you know so there's no better time to learn than from day one right it's yeah. And it's all really connected because you need to be able to communicate with these other departments to perform your job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and for sure, once you're in and you do learn your job and years down the road, you know, when those new guys show up after you that, you know, come in and have that look in their eyes like you did on your first day you know, like scared to death, like a little bunny rabbit, you know, with like a, a tiger coming for it. <laughs> don't, don't forget to pay it forward, you know, and take all the stuff that you've learned and your experiences, especially from the beginning and, and share it with these guys and gals, you know, and make sure that you make them comfortable too, because you'll find out it's not as easy as it looks. Mm-hmm. Josh, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. This was wonderful. Please keep us in the loop as to what you're doing next. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blue Revised Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and spread the word. A big thanks to Wise Grinds Records for helping produce today's episode. Be sure to check out wisegrindsrecords.com. Look, we know that film and television resumes are very different from the generic business resume template. If you need help translating your non-film industry work experience to a film industry resume, or you just need some resume advice, cover letter help, or some practice with your interview skills, hit us up at bluerevised.com.